0: So I am going to ask uh, a request of you this morning. As you heard Gary answer, um, my mother-in-law was battling COVID and she got over that, but then that turned into pneumonia. And so she has been in the hospital for the past going on five days. It's been very up and down um, and it's been very, very hard on Sarah, especially. And so just, just pray for Sarah and pray for her mother doctors and the nurses and the entire family. Um, But with that said, I'm going to do things a little bit differently this morning. After the sermon, I know that lately I have been coming down here and and praying with you all. Um, We're not going to do that this morning. Uh, Once I have the closing prayer, I'm just going to go out the side door and I'm just going to go and be with my wife. But if there are any needs, if if any of you need any prayer or, or you needed to talk about anything or needed some help, um, the elders will be available, and um, if any of our elders that are in here right now, could you just stand for just a moment, just for the sake of our our guests that maybe don't know who some of our elders are? Um, so you see three of them right there, uh, Chongo, Heather, and Gary. Um, Rex, that was helping. Norma um, as well. Brandon is here. But so after the service, if you need to talk to anybody or you need any special prayer, just find one of the elders. Um and, and just continue to pray for Sarah and, and her mother, please. Thank you. All right. So today's sermon, it's entitled, Jesus, Our High Priest. <clears throat> and for anybody that follows the Sabbath School Quarterly, this is going to be a little lead up to next week's Lessons. So, if you study that, I hope that this is going to prepare you a little bit for the upcoming week's lessons. But even if you don't study the quarterly, I believe that you will find a blessing in today's message. You know, we we've, we've spent some time over the past few weeks looking at Jesus, and, and specifically looking at Jesus as our Savior, looking at, at Jesus as our teacher, looking at Jesus as our example. But this morning, I'd like to look at Jesus as our high priest. Jesus as our high priest. Um, With that said, I believe it's important to start by asking a foundational question. A foundational question. Where do we get this idea of a priest? Where do we get this idea of a priest? The theme of a royal priest is actually one of the first themes that you find in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So Adam and Eve, they were called to represent God and rule over the creation as his image. Humanity was supposed to do this. Ruling and representing God is the ideal role of a royal priest. But if you're familiar with the story, tragedy struck. They were deceived. Verse one of chapter three says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, verse six, That it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So Adam and Eve, they abandoned their calling. And so humanity is exiled from the Garden of Eden. And then we're told that the world is filled with violence. Genesis 6 verse 5, it says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. But even in the midst of this ugliness, all hope is not lost. God promised that one of their descendants would eventually come and intervene on their behalf and restore the blessings of Eden. Going back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so here, we find the promise of a new priest to restore the failed priest. He's going to strike the deceiver while also being struck himself. He's a royal priest who's coming to be a sacrifice. Then we see through Israel's story, that God, he raises up many people that could have fulfilled this role of being God's royal priests in the earth, people who could have represented God and his way of ruling in a positive way. But they failed, one after the other. Abraham failed, Moses failed, David failed. Yet their stories point forward anticipating the ultimate royal priest, that promise we just saw in Genesis chapter three. And this brings us to Jesus. Now, in the time of Jesus, the the people of Israel, they were ruled by the Romans, the mighty Roman empire, but they were still governed by their own priests, which included the high priests, of the temple that was in Jerusalem, this massive temple, beautiful temple. And the high priest was the only person who could enter into the most holy place. You know, when you have the the sanctuary and when you look at, at what it looked like there in the wilderness, there was the outer courtyard and then there was the holy place and then beyond the veil, the most holy place. So the high priest was the only one that could go in there and only one time a year. He would pass through the veil, this thick curtain that was decorated with these images of cherubim. And the high priest at the time of Jesus was this man named Caiaphas, Caiaphas. And in the minds of the Jews, he was the one, he was the man who represented God to the people of the earth. But then, our Savior comes on the scene. And when we're first introduced to Jesus, he's outside of Jerusalem and he is in the Jordan River getting baptized. Luke 3.21 says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened up. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. And what's interesting here is that these words that God speaks, it's a blending of some statements that appear in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew scriptures. And these specific scriptures, they're speaking about this coming royal priests who will be the king that God promised. You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. He'd he'd be raised up from the lineage of David. And also he'd be like the beloved son like Isaac was to Abraham. But he's also the suffering servant of Isaiah who dies for the sins of the people. Jesus's baptism is his ordination as our high priest. Jesus's baptism is his ordination as the royal priest. And it should come as no surprise that after this ordination, that he starts acting like a royal priest. He forgives people of their sins. He restores people that are impure under the sacrificial law restores them so that they can then go into the temple. These were some of the things the priests that were working in the Jerusalem temple were supposed to be doing, but they failed. They utterly failed. And now Jesus is doing this stuff, essentially doing their job outside of their authority. Thus, they seem as a threat. He's a threat to their power. He's a threat to their authority. He's a threat to how they want the people to view them. And now, this leads to the story of Jesus going up high on a mountain with a few of his disciples, and, and once he's there, he's transformed. He's transfigured, he shines, and his his clothes become so, so bright. It's described in this way in Mark 9, two through three. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Now, this is similar to the type of vision that Moses had of the ideal high priest. Things are starting to come together here. Jesus is thus being revealed as the ultimate royal priest. And it's here that Jesus then decides to go into Jerusalem, even though he knows that this trip will get him killed. It all leads to this scene in Mark 11, starting at verse 7. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it, and many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then Jesus, he goes directly to the temple to challenge the authority of the current earthly priesthood. He storms in and he disrupts the corrupt sales of sacrificial animals. Matthew 21, 12 recounts it in this way. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And I love this last part. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. These were the types of people that the temple was made for, but they weren't allowed in because of the corruption of the earthly priesthood. And so Jesus chases them out and invites these blind, lame, those who were sick, those who were unclean, and he said, let me heal you, let me make you whole. This is your home too. This is your place to pray, to meet your God. This is Jesus' way of showing that he is actually the priest in charge. And he's then confronted, as we would expect, by the earthly priests, Matthew 21, 23. Now, when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? It's a power game in their minds, right? It's all all about power. And so Jesus will later respond by quoting from Scripture, quoting from the Old Testament, quoting from Psalm 110. And it's this song where David speaks of someone that he calls Lord, someone greater than him who will rule as a royal high priest. And Jesus is claiming that he, Jesus, is that priest. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord? Saying the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And this makes the priests and the religious leaders in Jerusalem absolutely furious, absolutely furious. Later on, having arrested him, they led him, Jesus, and brought him into the high priest's house. So they've, they've had enough. They're fed up. They have Jesus arrested and put on trial before Caiaphas. Now remember, Caiaphas is the high priest of the Jerusalem temple in this day. Caiaphas asked Jesus if he is the anointed one. And what he means is, are, are you saying that you are the royal high priest? Because that's my job. That's my job, Jesus. And Jesus responds by quoting again from the Psalms. He says, I am, and you are going to see me ruling at the right hand of God. Yet, what we're actually going to find in the narrative is that Jesus is, is going to be beaten and shamed and killed. How is that ruling like a high priest? Well, we must remember Israel's scriptures. The ancient pattern of the royal priest was someone who surrenders himself as a sacrifice. Jesus is stating that offering his life for others is the way that he will ascend to his royal throne. It's not by using and abusing other people. It's not by trying to gain power for himself. It's giving of himself. And when Jesus died, something happened in the earthly temple. Luke 23, 45, it says, then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. This massive curtain, it was so thick, it was about the, the size of an outstretched hand. That is thick fabric. It was torn in two. And, and remember that this was the veil, this was the curtain that separated people from God's Shekinah glory, the very presence of God, but now God's own presence and the blessings of Eden that were once guarded and separate can now flow out of the temple and fill all of creation as God had originally planned. Back in August, I I preached a sermon entitled Rivers of Living Water, touching on this very thing. So if you missed that sermon, go home this afternoon and read Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel 47. You'll get more about this temple, more about this living water, God's presence coming out of the temple and you'll see what it does when it goes out through the earth. Jesus' death on the cross, it was the bridge that brought us back to God. And we know that Jesus, he didn't stay on this earth for very long after the resurrection. He went back to heaven to, in his own words, prepare a place for us. But this isn't all just about building our forever homes. No, another aspect of this is his continued role as the royal high priest. The Bible tells us that there is a sanctuary in heaven, that it was built without hands. It was actually the blueprint for the sanctuary that was built upon earth. And Jesus is right now fulfilling his role in that heavenly sanctuary, interceding on our behalf. And this right here, this right here is why we can have the assurance of salvation. Hebrews 7.25, it says, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Did you catch that? That is the type of love that Jesus has for you. That's the type of love. He is always living to intercede for you, to stand on your behalf, to represent you in the holy heavenly courts. His love is wooing you to follow him. Hebrews 9, 13 and 14, it says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And this, dear friends, this is why I often refer to the blood of Christ as being the world's most powerful stain remover. We owe him everything. And the grace that we receive and experience is a free gift to us. But it's not cheap grace, not to Jesus because he has already paid the price and it cost him everything. Everything. But he didn't because he loves you. He did it because he loves us all. And after he did that on the cross and was placed in the tomb, he rose early on Sunday morning and then he appeared to his followers and he gave them a command, a commission. Matthew 28. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age." And this command, this commission, it wasn't just for the first century followers of Christ. This is also a command to us as 21st century Christians. We are called to share the good news that Jesus is the ruling king and the royal high priest who's going to restore the blessings of Eden. This is why Paul called Jesus, the new Adam, the new Adam. He's inviting us back to Eden to become like him. He's inviting us back so that we can take up our lost calling of being God's royal priests in this world. This new royal priesthood, it's made up of the followers of Christ, the body of believers. You and I are all called, to be a part of this, this royal priesthood. And that, dear friends, will be the topic of next week's sermon. Be a little more practical, but for now, if you'd like to accept and thank Jesus for his work in the heavenly sanctuary on your behalf, I just wanna invite you to stand with me now. Just stand with me now. Stand in the assurance that your Savior lives always to make intercession for you amen let us pray our loving gracious heavenly father lord you've given us such a high calling but lord you've also given us the example of jesus we don't have to make up what to do we don't have to guess about how to move forward we can look at jesus example lord and when we look at ourselves we 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 see messed up human beings a stranglehold to sin. But Lord, we believe in the power of blood. We believe in the power of Jesus' blood shed on our behalf. And we believe that through your Spirit, we can be more than conquerors in your name. So Lord, I pray that you would help us over this next week to reflect upon what this all means. Give us hearts full of gratefulness to Jesus for serving as our high priest. And prepare us, Lord, next week as we learn more about what we can do in this world, how we can help to build your kingdom and spread the good news. Lord, I just wanna pause briefly. I just wanna lift up my mother-in-law. I wanna lift up Stephanie Spencer. And I wanna claim the power of the blood of Jesus upon her. Lord, sickness is scary. Lord, being in the hospital can be terrifying, the up and down, the yo-yo game. But, Lord, we believe that you have the power. And we ask of you now that you would pour out that power. And, Lord, draw near to Sarah and her entire family in this time. Lord, give me the strength that I need to be there for them and give every person here so many texts, so many calls have already gone out, and I know that Sarah is so thankful. Continue to speak to everybody here to let us know how we can continue in this matter and in all matters to follow Paul's teaching and to bear one another's burdens. We leave this all with you. We ask that you would help it to be our experience because we pray it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.